0: Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you. It is great to see you guys here tonight. Thanks for being here. I feel like I say it every week, but there's a lot going on this week. I know you guys are feeling the crunch of uh, final projects and presentations and papers and then this dark black cloud looming about four days from now. And uh, I think it's a beautiful thing that you're here, that you're taking this hour to, to stop and to worship and to remember Uh, who you belong to and who loves you. We are finishing our series on the Psalms. I was telling a friend uh, 11 or 12 weeks on the Psalms feels really inadequate to to cover the riches of these 150 Psalms. So I I hope that you'll keep, for those of you who've been trying to read through the Psalms, who've been doing a Psalm a day or a Psalm a week or whatever you've been doing, I hope you'll you'll keep doing it. But we've been talking uh, in this series that we're calling Speaking to God because God is a God who speaks to us who spoke creation into existence, who has spoken to his people through the prophets throughout the Old Testament, who sent his Son into the world as an act of his speaking, his very word made flesh, and he speaks to us now through his Holy Spirit and his word. And he cares about us so much, he loves us so much, he wants us to be able to relate to him so badly that he gives us words to speak back to him when we don't know what to say. And so we've talked each week through these different modes of our heart, how do we speak to God when we're suffering or when we don't want to listen to him or when we're longing for peace or in the midst of chaos or when our lives feel shaky or in our anger or when we long for a true home last week when we don't feel forgiven. And we're going to finish the same way that the Psalms finish, speaking to God with a song of praise. Uh, of course, all the Psalms have elements of praise. They are songs of praise. The last five in the, in the, in the Psalms are just kind of 100% praise. And that's where we're going to end in Psalm 148. So if you have your Bible or your handout in front of you, it'd be great for you to read along with me from Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights. fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling His word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted." His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true, and he gives it to us because he loves us. Pray with me, please, and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, we want to join our voices tonight with this song of praise. I pray that you would help us to calm our hearts from everything that is weighing on them so that you might change us through your word right now so we might love you more and love each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Last month was the three-year anniversary of Scott Kelly landing on Earth. This is an American astronaut who spent an entire year in the International Space Station uh, orbiting the Earth. This is the longest anyone has ever spent, I think it was his fourth mission actually, it's the longest that any human has ever spent uh, in space at one time. And they, they subjected this man who has a family to this because they want to know what does it do to you to be in space, to be in zero gravity, to be away from the comforts of home for an entire year. It's sort of like if we ever send someone to Mars, we want to know are they going to go crazy or not. And uh, there's a documentary called A Year in Space that you can, that you can look up. I would, I would recommend it's It's fascinating for lots of reasons. Uh, you might think that going into space would be just really fun, and you've probably seen in the movies or online pictures of guys kind of doing somersaults in the zero G and like squirting out their juice or their water and it kind of just gathers in a sphere and then they can just gulp it up because they're flying through the air. And hey, pass me that toothbrush and you just zing it down. But one of the things that, uh, that is interesting from this documentary is actually how challenging it is to live life in zero gravity. And one of the reasons it's challenging is because you lose all sense of direction. You lose all sense of up and down orientation, which we take for granted. In the space station, there's no floor and there's no ceiling. Whatever space you are in, every surface is covered with experiments, work surfaces, places to do projects, different activities. So someone could be working on a surface here and someone else is working on a surface there and someone else is working on a surface here and you're all oriented in different directions and the 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 area that they sleep in the sort of like the hallway and then there's sleeping compartments on the four sides and so you can imagine you wake up and you have this sense you haven't really been lying down because you can't lie down you're just kind of zipped up in your sleeping bag and you come out up but someone else is coming this way out in the morning and someone else is coming this way it's very disorienting you have no sense of of up and down In our own lives, we are often so overstimulated by the things that are stressing us out, so overstimulated by our to-do lists, so overstimulated by exams coming up, by summer jobs and internships that haven't settled, by the trauma of just navigating relationships that we get disoriented. We lose all sense of our proper up-and-down direction. And Psalm 148 helps us reorient to (coughs) up-and-down. And the claim of, one, of one, Psalm 148 and the claim of all the Bible is that our proper orientation, our proper top and bottom, side to side, is a life of praise to God, to the Lord who made us and who loves us. And my hope tonight is we'll see that when we live out of this proper orientation, it actually leads us to everything that we really want. It leads us to the experience of love and peace and satisfaction joy. So we're going to see three things about this life that God orients us to. First, that we're created for praise. Second, that we're positioned for praise. And third, that we're rescued for praise. We're created, positioned, and rescued for praise. So first, we are created for praise. this this, This psalm, this hymn, this poem is An expression of the totality of all that is oriented towards God in praise. Look at everything that is listed out here that is supposed to praise God. His angels and his hosts, the sun and moon and stars, the highest heavens and the waters above the heavens, that's the clouds and the sky. Verse 7, the sea creatures and all deeps the oceans, the fire hail and snow and mist and stormy wind like all of the forces of nature. The mountains and hills and trees, the beasts and livestock, the things that creep and the things that fly. And then finally in 11 and 12, everybody from high to low, from kings to old men and little children. Everything is exhorted to praise God. It's it's a pretty exhaustive list. This is pretty much everything. This is the entire universe. This is you, me, everyone you know, everything you've ever seen or imagined is oriented towards praising God. And the reason that we're given in verse 5 is this. For he commanded and they were created. For he commanded and they were created. Here's what this means. It means as someone who has a lot going on, as someone who's very busy, as someone who's very stressed, as someone who has expectations and deadlines, you actually have something in common with the sky and the mountains and the fish and the birds. And that thing that you have in common is who you were made by and who you were made for. That we are not just people who exist, we are creatures, which means there is a creator and because we are made by God, our proper orientation is the praise of God. And and humans are the uh, we're the pinnacle of creation, right? There's something there's something special about being a human. The way the Bible talks about it is that you're made in God's image. Then, in a special way, we reflect the goodness and the truth and the beauty of. Of who God is. So even though we're a little special, even though we stand out from the rest of creation, we actually tend to lag behind. We actually tend to be the part of creation that forgets. Who made us, that forgets to praise our creator. Have you ever, uh, have you ever been in a situation outside? Maybe you're sitting by some water. Maybe you're watching the sun come up or go down. Maybe you're watching the stars. Maybe you're looking at a mountain view and you just felt moved. You've just felt emotional. You felt something stir inside you in terms of your faith in God. You can almost hear the mountain singing praises to God. You can almost hear, like the Bible says, the trees clapping their hands. Do you know that feeling? Have you ever had a feeling like that? I think a lot of you have. It's because... They're acknowledging who made them. And that's what we are to do as his creatures as well. And so the, my first challenge for you tonight is this. is to not put off praising God for the next two weeks because of how busy you are. That no matter how stressful you are, no matter how many projects you have, don't say, you know what, when I get home for spring break, then I'm going to have a quiet time. Then I'm going to go to church. Then I'm going to listen to some praise music. Don't wait. We're always waiting. We're always putting it off because of how busy we are. And God is reminding us, no matter where you are and what you have going on, I made you. And I made you to reflect my goodness. And so we're called to praise him because he made us. We're created for praise. Secondly, tonight, we're positioned for praise. Most of the psalm, verses 1 through 12, are about this this exhaustive list of everything praising God. And then we have these last two verses. Verse 13 says this. It says, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. And and the point here is simple, is that God alone is exalted. Only God is exalted. Here's another way to say it. God is God, and you and me are not. God is to be exalted, and you and me are not. I'm sure not everyone here tonight is a Christian. If you're a Christian, this is one of those things that sounds like really obvious. Like, no, duh, God is God and we are not. No, duh, God is to be exalted and not me. But I think if you're like me, this is one of the things we have the most trouble with. And in fact, functionally, we position ourselves most of the time in order to exalt ourselves. In order to make our name great in order for us to succeed, in order for us to get recognition, in order for us to get acceptance. We want to be great. And often this is the thing that causes so much of the anxiety in our lives, so much of the pressure in our lives, so much of the exhaustion of the futility of running so hard after something that we are not meant for. Because God alone and not you and me is exalted. And so the challenge here is to remember your position. (laughs) And your position is this, not God. (laughs) This may sound a little bit like a downer, like embrace that you are not supposed to be great. But here's why I think this is actually a gift and a blessing. Here's what this means. This means you can actually be free from striving after your own exaltation. You can actually be free of running after it. You can be free. And here, here's, here's what this looks like. Have you ever uh, participated in an activity, in a hobby, in a job, in some kind of uh, enterprise or exercise that you just loved, that you just had that sense like, man, I was, I was made for this. This is my jam. This is what I'm good at. This is what I love to do. Maybe it's singing in the choir. Maybe it's fly fishing. Maybe it's doing market analytics for small businesses. Maybe it's doing clinical rotations with doctors. Maybe it's running a half marathon. Do so you know that feeling? You're doing something you're like, this is my jam. This is my thing. I love this. And it gives you that, that feeling of satisfaction and contentment and purpose. It's fun. It's joyful. You know that feeling? Here's what it it means when you embrace that position, is that that's what it's like when we worship. For all of us, when we praise God, what we are doing is we are doing the thing that we were made for. We're doing the thing that's our jam. We're doing the thing that we love to do more than anything else. The thing that fills us with joy. Do you know why you ever feel emotional when you sing worship songs? It's not just because songs are emotional. It's because you're doing what you were made to do, and it feels good. It's actually the thing that will lead you to fullness of joy. But it requires that you embrace your position, which is one who's under God, the only one who has majesty, the only one who's worthy of praise. We are positioned for praise. And then lastly tonight, we're rescued for praise. This psalm ends talking about rescue in verse 14. It says this, He, that's God, has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. He has raised up a horn. What what does that mean? Raising up a horn, that's that's a symbol for a ruler exerting his power. And in fact, some, some Bibles translate this phrase instead of raised up a horn, raised up a strong deliverer. This is the ruler, this is the king using his power to rescue his people. It's using his power to rescue us And to draw near to us. God has rescued us and God has drawn us near. How should we react to that? There was a a story in the news a a few years ago about a woman named Jessica Buchanan who was an American aid worker working with a Danish charity in Somalia, which is, uh, as you may know, one of the most dangerous countries in the world. Uh, She was working with a charity that was trying to help kids learn how to recognize and avoid landmines. And she was uh, in a car with another worker from her organization one day, and they were stopped by a man with a gun. The doors and windows were pounded on then forced open, and their car was hijacked, and they were kidnapped and taken away out into, the, out into the country, away from any other towns or villages, and kept as hostages for 93 days. They didn't get to go indoors in any kind of shelter for 93 days. They were kept outside, given very little care and minimal food and water. And these bandits who had captured them were hoping to, hoping to get money. And they would taken her cell phone, and they tried to call uh, her husband. But one of the safety protocols of this organization is they actually shut down all the numbers on phones when this sort of thing happens to uh, avoid giving power to these kind of bandits. The, the one number that worked was her sending charity agency and so these bandits called, and they started talking to this hostage negotiator, and they started negotiating with this hostage negotiator for, for 93 days, for months and months and months. And things are getting worse and worse and worse, and she's losing hope, and she says after about three weeks she'd really lost hope. And she thought she was going to die right away, but for some reason they, they, they were willing to tell her, no, we just, want, we just want money. And so they kept her alive, and eventually she got really, really sick. She got a, a bad infection. She actually thought she had a, ki- a kidney infection, and this was uh, communicated from, from her captors to this hostage negotiator. And uh, the government, as you can might imagine, the State Department is involved in this sort of thing, and so kind of moves up the chain of command, and eventually uh, President Obama is briefed in the Oval Office about this woman, and, and people are telling him she might only have days days to live. And so... He orders this daring rescue. He orders Navy SEALs to go and get her. And so 93 days into being in the wilderness, she's, uh, she's laying down at night. It's a dark night, new moon, and she hears this scratching sound, this faint scratching sound. And she looks up, and one of her captors hears it too, and he stands up, and then the night just erupts in gunfire and violence. And Navy SEALs have, have like, surrounded this camp. And she doesn't know what's going on. She thinks, this is it. like that I'm finally going to die. And in the midst of uh, whizzing bullets and screams and men running and the explosion of of guns everywhere, someone grabs her arm and she hears her name, Jessica Buchanan. And she's really confused because it's an American accent. And, And this voice says, we're with the U.S. military and we're here to rescue you and you're safe now. And she still doesn't know what's going on. All she's thinking to herself is like, you're Americans? Like, why are you here? How did you get here? And so one of these guys picks her up in his arms and just starts running, running away from the fight, running towards safety. And they get uh, to, to where they're waiting for the helicopter, and the rest of the, the SEALs get around her, and they're, they're worried that there still might be danger, there still might be people firing guns. And so they ask her to lay on the ground, and men uh, lay in a circle around her, and then the rest of them lay on top of her body ready to take a bullet for her to keep her safe. And then the helicopter lands and they run to the helicopter and she, she jumps into the helicopter and she sits back against the wall of it and one of the soldiers hands her a folded American flag and puts it in her hands. And she says she just started to weep. Like, can you imagine what she would have been feeling in that moment? The relief, the joy, the exhaustion, the gratitude, oh, and I found it really interesting that they handed her a flag. I don't, I don't really know if that's, if that's a tradition. If they, if they always do that sort of thing in these kinds of situations. T- to me, it feels like they're saying, "Don't remember, don't, don't forget who you belong to. Don't forget you're one of ours. You belong to us, and we belong to you because we are citizens of something together." And we see you, and we care about you, and we were strong enough to come and get you. And friends, that is what God does for us. He sees us, and he cares about us, and he is strong enough to come get us. And he comes down like these guys did with parachutes from the sky. He comes down silently, born into a tiny manger on the outskirts of a nowhere-backwards town. to rescue us, to lay down for us so that Jesus can take the bullet for us, to die the death that should have been our death because he cares and because he's strong enough and because he loves us. Jesus is the horn of salvation that God has raised up for you and for me. And as you know God more, and as the story of Christ becomes your story more, and as you experience his nearness to you and his love for you and his care for you and his strength for you and his death and resurrection for you, you will be flooded with relief, (coughs) flooded with joy, flooded with gratitude. And you will rest in his arms when he says to you, "I've, I've come to rescue you. You're safe now in my arms. We've been rescued to praise him. So that means that in the anxiety and the stress and the exhaustion that you may be feeling right now and at any time in your life, you are someone who has been rescued by the strong arms of Christ because he loves you. My my hope for this semester, my hope in this series on the Psalms, is that you have begun to learn or are learning in a deeper way that God really sees you and really cares about you and that you actually can come to him with the fullness and the rawness of every real emotion of your real life. <coughs> and that as you come to the arms of Jesus, as you pour your heart out to him, you will experience the love of a Savior who sees you and who cares for you and was willing to take the bullet for you. So keep reading. Keep getting to know him because he longs to flood you with the joy of his rescue for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you because you've rescued us in Christ. Jesus, we adore you and we thank you that you saw us and you loved us and you exerted your strength to come and get us and make us safe, safe from sin and death, safe with you for eternity. Lord, help us to experience and to understand and to contemplate that love more and more so that we might overflow with love and praise back to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.